The title of my message today is The Fields Are White to Harvest. Now, I especially understand this phrase uh, found in the Bible. In Indiana, fall is harvest time, and it is especially beautiful this time of year. Leaves change colors and the different reds and yellows and uh, shades of brown and some orange. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous time. But it's also a time when the crops are being harvested in Indiana. And there's a lot of laborers and a lot of workers in the field. Many workers are, are needed to get the job done of harvesting today. Not, as, not like it was back in the, in the time of Jesus, but still there's quite a bit of work that goes on in getting these crops in. Um, in all the seasons, again, I think that the fall is the most interesting and the most beautiful time of the year, for me anyway, uh, especially uh, in Indiana. But harvest time in the Bible teaches us many things. One of those lessons is that workers and laborers are needed to complete the work. The preparation for the harvest actually begins long before the fall. Um, Planning for the harvest begins way before the sickle even is placed to the stalk, so to speak. You have to purchase seed. You have to get the right kind of seed. Fertilizer. Make sure the, the soil is the best. It has the most, uh, the proper minerals uh, for a good crop. Then again, you pray for rain and sunshine. And, and many farmers spend time maintaining their tools and uh, taking care of the machinery at this time. And it takes a lot of planning for that and a lot of care, a lot of effort uh, to make sure that these plants grow healthy and that they bear fruit and are worthy of a harvest. Now, once all that is completed, uh, the time to prepare, the seed is planted, and now you have the, a long wait, uh, time to do a lot of preparation and work in between uh, that is when the labor begins. This is when the workers really begin in earnest. To get the, this job done and enjoy the fruit of the labor, they must be dedicated. They must be hardworking, uh, conscientious, and have a sense of urgency about them. Hardworking men, hardworking laborers, and women focused on finishing the harvest. Now, Ecclesiastes tells us a little bit about this, and I, I enjoy this section. Ecclesiastes 3 says, verse 1, To everything there is a season, and a time for every purpose under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. It says in verse 11, He's made everything beautiful in its time and has also set eternity in their hearts. And God has placed in the hearts of men a desire to have a relationship with him. And it says, so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. It's, it's really a miracle. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. So throughout the Bible... In many cases, God uses agriculture to teach us about his plan for mankind. And in that plan, there is a great harvest coming. An individual harvest, but a great harvest as well. 
The harvest is a common biblical theme associated with the kingdom of God. I want to ask you a couple questions. You've heard these questions before. It's good to think about. Why did God call me? We've heard that many times, haven't we? We've even said that. Why did God call me? And what part do I have in God's plan for mankind? Is it just me? Or do I have anything to do with the preparation and getting other people into the kingdom, into the family of God, into that harvest? And what part, if any, do I have in God's individual harvest? Again, good questions. Questions, I think, that can be answered in God's word. But we're going to focus on John 4, the fourth chapter of John, to answer some of these questions. So if you turn to John, you know it is the story of Christ and the woman at the well. There's there's a lot more that takes place after that interaction when she runs back into the town. And it'll help us answer some of these questions about God's hearts that I just asked. So let's skip down past the first several verses and go down to 35, John 4, 35. Now we're going to come back to the first part of John in a minute. John 4, 35. Don't say that there are yet four months and then the harvest comes. I say to you, look around. He was telling them to look around and lift up your eyes. Focus out there. See the fields, for they are already white to harvest. And when grain is harvested, uh, it's, it's ripe. It looks light brown. And in the sun, it looks almost white. So you can see this field of wheat that looks just white. White to harvest. In Luke 10, verse 2, Christ said to them, The harvest is indeed great. But the workmen are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord or pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out workers into his harvest. And God is calling people to that, to that particular job. All of us have that job that we need to take seriously and be dedicated about. Matthew 9, 35 and 38 at another time, Jesus taught the disciples about being a workman for the harvest of God. Jesus went around to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, teaching in their synagogues the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every bodily weakness among the, the, the people. Now, this could be sickness. It could be weak, just being weak run down, or emotional. It says in Isaiah 61, it talks a little bit about that. Verse 36, And seeing the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. He truly set the example. Christ set the example for us. In his attitude, in his heart, the way he dealt with, the way he threw in and was dedicated and convicted about the work that God had given him to do, about Wrapping up this plan of God, his phase of it, he had the heart of a servant. And we've heard before churches say, a Christ-centered servant. Well, Christ was centered on loving one another and being a workman and a laborer and setting the example for us to see what we're supposed to do just by watching him. The people 
then are like they are today. They were wearied. They were scattered. They were confused. They were sheep without a shepherd. And the shepherds were, were false shepherds, and they were out for their own gain. They didn't care about the sheep. In 37, it says, Then he said to his disciples, and he's saying this to us too, The harvest is truly great, but the workmen are few. 38 says, Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest that he may send out workmen into his harvest. And that is certainly what CBCG is doing in getting the literature and the the videos, the media that we have, the many books and booklets uh, has been put together and sent out. Um, We're certainly getting uh, that information into the hands of the individuals, but there's more that needs to be done. There's that personal touch when we can do that. And second best is the online, uh, the things that we're doing there, but We are focused on being a workman and being a laborer to get the harvest done that God has given us to do. So Jesus uses the example of a woman at the well, and it shows us that God is looking for laborers to assist in the harvest of individuals into the family of God. There are a lot of people out there being called right now, and we don't even know about. And I've got some examples of that if I have time to give them to you. There is a harvest being done today, and we have a part in it. Those were some of the questions I asked. Yes, we do have a part in it, and yes, there is a harvest being done. We've been called as workmen to participate in it, to assist Christ in doing the work of a laborer for the harvest, to care for, to nurture, bring individuals that he calls to maturity, into that harvest help them make it help them make it into the family and help us make it bear one another's burdens be conscientious of one another so before we go back to john let's let's read a section of scripture in luke and sees what john the baptist had to say about this work of a laborer and he certainly was um, quite the laborer of bringing people into the harvest and the family of god luke 117 Luke 117 it's talking about John the Baptist again he was a true workman for the harvest but he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God turning people to the Lord and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's say that again, to make ready the harvest, to make ready a people. These are all ways that we can prepare a people. This is an exact explanation of what a workman or a laborer in the harvest of God will be. Luke 1.17. This is talking about John the Baptist, a true workman for the harvest of God. It says, but he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before in the spirit and the power of Elijah 
Here's what he'll do to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And this is an explanation of what a workman or a laborer in the harvest of God will be doing in preparation for the harvest. It has been said in our generation, and we've heard it in the church, that we have that mission or charge to do as he did. And I believe it still holds true for us today. So now let's go to John 4 and look at the first section that's, that comes before um, the statement, the fields are white for harvest. And I'm just, for time's sake, I'm just going to read through it very quickly, but uh, pick out some of the, uh, the dialogue that goes on. If Christ leaves from Judea and he parts to Galilee, and it was necessary for him to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was a city. You've got to know about Samaria, the Samaritans. Back in 721 B.C., Israel went into captivity, and Assyria took them into captivity. Now, what they would do is they would transplant people from Assyria into the conquered area, and they sent them to Israel. They intermarried, and they had pagan ways. So because of some lion troubles, the people thought, well, you know, we need to be worshiping God. So the king sent back a Jewish rabbi to help them with the religion. And uh, they, they brought the Pentateuch, but that was about it. So there was this mixture of idolatrous ways and pagan ways. So 70 years later, when Israel was allowed to return, uh, with Nehemiah and Ezra to rebuild the temple, the Samaritans fought against them. And they even built their own temple on Mount Gerizim. The Samaritans were usually very universally, very much adamantly despised by the Jews. So we go to verse 5. And he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the land where Jacob had uh, given Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and there was a, a well there. So Je- Christ comes up and sits down at the well about the sixth hour, which is noon, and a woman comes to draw water, and he says to her, give me some water. Um, now it says that the disciples weren't there. They had gone into the city to buy food. So this, she says to him, you know, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask me a Samaritan woman, even a Samaritan and a woman, to give you a drink of water. The Jews don't associate with the Samaritans. And he said, he just, he didn't didn't even answer that question. He said, if you had known the gift of God and who it is that said to you, give me some water to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And boy, this got her attention. You don't have anything to draw water with, and the well's deep. How do you have living water? And uh, he said, everyone who drinks from this, drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. Rather, the water that I will give him shall become a fountain of water within him, springing up into eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me some of this water that I will not thirst or need to come here in this heat and draw water. 
So now he tells her something that only he would know, a private bit of knowledge that a stranger wouldn't know about her. He says, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. You have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. She says, I perceive you're a prophet. And then she says, on a religious note, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, Mount Gerizim. But you say that the place where it is obligatory to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You do not know what you worship. And that was true. He says, but we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Again, but the hour is coming and now is right now when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is indeed seeking those who worship him in this manner god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth he was giving her quite a bit of information he was giving her an opportunity to have god's holy spirit and to be given the truth and the woman said again i know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. And here he was sitting right in front of them. Christ, the word, the way, the truth, and the life with the Holy Spirit and the opportunity for her. Then he says something that really, really, he didn't tell anyone else. He said it a couple times, but not very often. He said, I who speak to you am he. He said, I am the Messiah, the Christ. Wow. And she just left her water pot and ran into the city and told him, come, see who I've seen this man, and, and he knows everything about me, and can it be that he's the Christ? And then they all came out from the city to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples had come back from the city with food, And it it stops there. But see, the the Samaritans had been given a really rough way to go by the Jews. And they were called dogs, and they were seen as low-life individuals. And no Jew would associate with them, except for Christ. Christ was about to give them the gospel and the truth, which they had not had before. Now, we are faced with the same situation in the world today, aren't we? We have individuals that are in bad shape. They have never known the truth, and their lives reflect that. We are to teach all who come to find the truth, all who are weary and tired and worn out by the world and the hassle and the confusion that's in it. We have that opportunity. We have that responsibility. We have that calling to be a workman and a laborer in this wonderful plan of God. You know, there can't be a harvest unless there's a planting and caring for the crop and tending the crop, teaching and caring for people, preparing the people for a harvest. That's what a workman does. That's what a laborer does. And we need to take that seriously, dedicated. There's an urgency to it. They were looking for the truth, and they were looking for the Messiah. And here he was right in front of them both the truth personified and the Messiah. 
It's the same today. There are people looking for God and for the truth in bad situations in this world because they don't know God. The world's falling apart. Marriages are in trouble. Children aren't being taught about God or how to act. Governments are failing. They're corrupt. Medical situations dire. Education is falling apart. The financial situation is bad. And religious leaders aren't leading the people to God in the way of the truth. And yet, God has given us this calling to be workers and laborers with the truth, with a way for them to be prepared for the kingdom of God and the family of God and eternal life. What a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And Christ wants us to be laborers or workmen of the harvest. And he calls us lights to show the way. To lead the lost to the light of God and his truth. To give them rivers of living water. That's what we get to do. To heal and to prepare them for the harvest. Which leads them to the family of God and eternal life. He says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you're the light of the world, you know, and let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven and then begin in that relationship with him. But we get to be that light, that example. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with being a workman and a laborer? In doing this, leading them to the to God and to Christ, we are doing the work of the laborers and workmen found in John 4, caring for the weak, the downtrodden, the widows and the fatherless, learning his word, learning to teach and be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. But you've got to know the truth. You've got to study it. You've got to be able to rightly divide it, showing them life and life more abundantly. You know, the it says to pray for the workmen that the God would, would uh, add more and increase the abilities and the skills of those that, that are there so that we can show others how to live as God would have us live and glorify God in the process, to bear one another's burdens, to love one another. He says, as I have loved you. To admonish in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says to admonish the idle, Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. <laughs> this is what a workman does. This is what a laborer does. To make sure that crop and that harvest is plentiful and worthy of the harvest. You know, and there are others that are laboring as well. Other churches. And we work together with them. He says we are all one. And uh, all showing the light. And how to get there. In Psalm 119, 105, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shows the correct way. It shows the truth. Eternal life. We bring people to the right way of living. Okay? Workmen of the harvest must be, again, teachable. Not stubborn. Not headstrong. Not hard-headed. Hard-boiled. Obstinate hard to deal with, but teachable, submissive, and yielding. And being able to handle the word of God properly, rightly dividing with a sound doctrine, with a sound mind, and ready to give that answer 
of hope that lies within us. Preparing the people for the harvest and becoming a workman or laborer involves teaching and being taught. Paul tells Timothy this, this time period between the seed going in and the harvest is a time for teaching and training and loving and caring for your neighbor and doing these things. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, and also verse 6, Paul tells Timothy, And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, these things commit to faithful men, such as will be competent to teach others also. Moreover, it is necessary for the husbandman to labor before taking partaking of the fruit. In Second Timothy 4, verse 1, he says, I charge you, therefore, in the sight of God, pretty, pretty serious, even the Lord Jesus Christ, who is ready to judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And then he tells him what to do as a laborer. Be urgent in season and out of season. Convict, rebuke, encourage with all patience and doctrine. The job and responsibility of a workman is preparing the people for the harvest. So back to John, John 4.31. You see the contrast between the woman who was fired up. This was her first love. She was she had found the Messiah. She had found the truth. And she's going back to tell her friends. And they hear. And they see her enthusiasm. And they're coming out. Now, here are the disciples. They just come back. And what are they What are they concerned about? They were more concerned with the physical food and water and rest. They were thinking that Jesus must be tired and hungry. They didn't see the excitement of the woman and the opportunity to engage the city of Sychar and the people coming out with the truth about the kingdom of God. It says in 31, in the meantime, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have meat to eat that you are not aware of. Then the disciples said to one another, Did anyone bring him something to eat? What's he saying? And Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food or my nourishment or my sustenance was the will of God who had sent him. That's what he, that was the urgency and the dedication that Jesus had to do the work and to prepare the people, and especially the disciples, for the harvest and to become laborers. Jesus' example shows us the way to be a proper workman. You know, when he was younger, he said to his mom and dad, why... Why is it, when he was at the temple, why is it that you were looking for me? Don't you realize that I must be about my father's business? That was serving God and fulfilling and finishing the mission that God had sent him on was far more important than the physical. So we can ask the question, what drives us? Yes, we need to be refreshed with food and water and clothing and a job. You know, we need to have some recreation in our lives. But what is our overall goal? And what really drives us? Are we 
full of the work of God and the desire to get that job done and do what we can and help people wherever they are and have a sincere heart of a servant and of a laborer and a, and a workman with what he's given us to do? Are we passionate about it, about accomplishing the mission God has given to us as workmen in his harvest to see others' lives change, to get excited when we see someone in their first love with the truth? Are we praying and studying and fasting and meditating and being concerned for others and not ourselves, asking what I can do for you, what can I do for you, not what you can do for me? And what kind of skills are we asking God to allow us to develop? What kind of fruit are we developing? Are we, how are we doing with that? Are we developing the, the skills of a workman, an effective workman, so that we can help with the harvest of God, help others see the kingdom of God as well, and, and let that be their goal, as Matthew 6.33 says. But seek, as for you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Again, Christ was telling them to be urgent and diligent, be fired up about this. Verse 35, and don't say that there are four months and then the harvest comes. I say to you, look around, lift up your eyes and see the fields. For they are already white to harvest. There's an urgency here. Here, here. here they come. Here comes the townspeople. You know, lift up your eyes. He's stirring them to action. He's saying, focus on these who are coming out down the road from Sychar. They're hungry for the truth. Care for them. Prepare them for the kingdom of God and the harvest. Prepare a people. Prepare them for the harvest and the family of God. So 2 Corinthians 6, 2 tells us, has an urgency. He says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is an acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God is working with each individual on his individual time his own individual appointed time. He has a purpose for us to, to give us uh, good things and not bad. What is the reward of a workman, you say, or a laborer in the harvest? There is a reward. Just seeing people fired up, seeing their lives change is, is a joy. In verse 36, it says, and the one who reaps, the workman or the laborer who reaps, receives a reward and gathers fruit unto eternal life, so that the one who is sowing and the one who is reaping may both rejoice together. There is a reward in doing the work of God, isn't there? It is enjoyable to see someone with the first love get excited about the pearl of great price or the they found the great treasure. And they'll enter into the family of God. Once they get that, it's exciting to see that. Daniel 12.3 tells us about a, a reward. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who shall be found written in the book. 
And our job is to help them be written in the book, help them along that path. And many of those who slept in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's a, a future harvest. And they who are wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they who turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. Isn't that a great reward for a workman and a laborer? Christ tells us that he'll give us a reward, doesn't he? Another reward, Revelation 22:12. He says, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to render to each one according to his work. And he says, I will give you a crown of life in, in another place. The preparation and the care of the grain is a joint effort and can be participated as labor or worker and will will work with other people and all will be partakers of its joy. It's a team effort. Verse 37, it says, For in this the saying is true, the one sows and the other reaps. 38, I sent you to reap that in which you have not labored and others have labored. And you have entered into their labor. And that happens. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5, Paul says, he said, Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? Are they both ministers through whom you believe? And even as the Lord gave to each one, I planted and Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. We have to remember that. God gives the increase. There. Therefore, neither is he who plants anything, nor he who waters, for it is God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. We are God's fellow workers, and you are God's husbandry, even God's building. And he goes on to talk about the foundation being Christ's. And if he builds Building endures, he shall receive a reward. So many of the Samaritans, verse 39, Now many of the Samaritans from that city believed on him because of the word of the woman who testifies. He told me everything that I had done. Well, a lot of us have entered in. Well, if you can remember back when you were called and you, one person maybe had to- told you something and you came in and you believed that person. Well, it wasn't long after that you began to own the truth and believe God because you began a relationship with him. And it wasn't that person anymore. It was God. So many of us came in in that way. And uh, it doesn't stay that way. Verse 40, therefore, or it shouldn't stay that way. When the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to remain with them, and he remained for two days, which was unheard of. 41. And many more believed because of his word, because of his teaching, because of his example. They believed on him, not the woman. And 40, 42. They said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard him ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Christ, the Savior of of the world. So once someone comes in and begins to study and they they begin that relationship with God, 
they learn their commitment should be with God and not with the person. And I hope that all of us are that way. Christ is telling us today that the harvest continues. There is a harvest today. There is a need for sincere workmen and laborers that have a sincere heart that are dedicated and zealous and motivated to get the plan of God completed and to fulfill their calling as a worker and a workman and a laborer in the harvest of God, to help plant, to help nurture, to care for, to harvest the grain that God has planted and is working with, that God has given the opportunity to develop holy, righteous character in each one of us and in each one of them, to be co-inheritors in his family as spirit begotten sons and daughters of Christ and God the Father. So in we know in you know in the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. And I say to you, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He wants everyone to be in the family. Hebrews 2.10, he says, Because it was fitting for him whom all things were created, by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. So Christ is going to present both the laborers of the harvest and the harvest to the Father, and we will see him face to face. Christ will finish it himself. And when he thrusts in his sickle and reaps, because it's time for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe, he says in Revelation 14. So listen, don't give up. It gets weary, it gets tired, hanging in there, the work gets tough. But don't give up. I'm going to leave you with one last scripture. In Galatians 6, 9, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So hang in there and don't give up.